Welcome into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, where every single day, if it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, we are going to talk about it on this here podcast. My name is Jay Kalman, and I am a video producer at The Ringer, and I am joined every time by Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Known Cretan, Kyle Tucker. <laughs> uh, I love the word Cretan. It is a good one. It, it really is. Uh, so... Yeah, it's been kind of a long weekend. I've kind of been running around. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm pretty zapped. I know you. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, wiped out too. Yeah, it's just been a lot of just a lot of pollinating, visiting friends, and just a just a busy time. Yeah, so uh, I've got uh, Boogie asleep next to me. Kyle uh, caught me candidly. <laughs> I don't even know. How to- <laughs> I candidly baby talking your dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually what happens is I'll set the podcast up and I have to wait like five to ten minutes for Kyle to get on there because he's just doing God knows what, sipping on his pumpkin, you know, <laughs> yes. frou-frou beer. And then uh, he's like, oh, let me get on. He finally moseys his way onto the podcast. But Kyle caught me talking candidly, baby talking to my dog. Uh, and that was pretty funny. And I always, uh, I always, Boogie, Boogie is very soft. He feels like the inside of a moccasin, just for anybody that's wondering. <laughs> and sometimes I'll call him my velvet dog, my velvet pup. Uh, and uh, I was, I was just praising him because he's being a good boy. So anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Kentucky football today. You guys watched it. You you know the vibe of that whole thing. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the blue-white scrimmage that Kyle and I both attended. But uh, Saturday night, the weather here was great. I had some friends over. It was it was it was tremendous. The weather in Athens not so great between the hedges. Have you noticed how people that were like really want to sound like they're sort of I don't know in in the know in football or something? It's one of those things. There's there's a certain type of person that says between the hedges a lot. Have you noticed yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, in a roundabout way, I tried to say that, but it's I'm not just, sure if I've ever said it. Yeah, it's it's silly. It's a little obnoxious. I mean, you know, there's a there's a lot of like tradition things that are cool, but like people reference them so much. Like, uh, yeah, that was there's your, not there's being your, good. There's I'm your velvety dog. Yeah, velvet velvet voice puppy. Uh, there's a lot of traditions you were saying. There's a lot of traditions that in, in sports that people sort of reference so much they're just becoming like obnoxious to me. Like Howard's Rock at Clemson, you know, how many times can you reference it? Like we know we got it. Yeah. But uh, between the hedges, yeah. Between the hedges, Kentucky. Uh, we both, you know, we we probably did a disservice to the game last week. We didn't talk a lot about it, and we did this. We sort of breezed over it in our Friday episode, and both picked <laughs> blowout blowout losses. Um, and so in that regard, um, I think Kentucky acquitted itself pretty well, considering the circumstance. We now know that um, Sawyer Smith is still pretty hurt, even though there was like talk that he was maybe healthy and maybe going to play. It turns out he's got a fractured wrist, according to the TV broadcast. Uh, and so I'm guessing that what we talked about when it happened in the Florida game, when he threw the pick and chased it down and never kind of looked the same again, to me, it feels like that was the more likely, most likely scenario where that happened. Um, but regardless, that's obviously alarming. Who knows how much longer until they he, they feel he's fully healthy? Because you know he was there, he was in uniform, he had his helmet on, but he didn't ever come in the game. Even though Kentucky got deep 
into the fourth quarter before it completed a single pass. Um, and so all that considered, you know, playing Lynn Bowden again at quarterback, they were in a torrential downpour. I thought they played pretty well in general. Um, it was 0-0 at halftime, and Kentucky was driving to take the lead in the third quarter, um, you know, for, to take the first score of the game. And, and so, uh, you know, for everybody knows, they lost 21 nothing. But where this game really turned on three plays. It was quick. It was very it quick. It turned very quick. Yeah, and it was 0-0 zero, so, zero for a long time. So yeah. it's 0-0 zero, zero at halftime. Kentucky gets the ball, opening drive of the first half, of the second half. And they go down the field. Lynn, Lynn Bowden is a warrior, by the way. Um, and he goes nine-yard run, 11-yard run, 11-yard run. And then he has another run on third and six that would have that for seven yards that would have given Kentucky first down at the Georgia 20. At worst, you're going to get a field goal and take the first lead of the game. But there's a holding penalty. On, Penalties were brutal in this on, game. And Logan Stenberg, again, he's just, he's always getting these just brutal, he's their best offensive lineman, and he just gets these brutal penalties. Um, and that really took the air out of the balloon. That backs him up to the, from instead of first down at the 20, it's third and 16 at the Georgia 37 when you have a wide receiver playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you and basically so, have no way out. Yeah, it's just, so that's it. So you know they get Florida, no, and Georgia knows that, so they're gonna right. you know yeah. So they get they can pin their ears back. So they get that that play that holding penalty. They're going to get points and take the lead at Georgia midway through the third quarter. They get nothing. Two series later, uh, they get a fifteen yard punt from one of the best punters in the country, <laughs> Max Duffy. And so Georgia takes over at the Kentucky 39-yard line, and they score one play later. Mm. Uh, and so they take the first lead. And then uh, so the three plays that I think turn the game, the, the holding penalty, the 15-yard punt, and then r- immediately after Georgia takes the very first lead of the game, Lynn Bowden makes his one big mistake, and he fumbles the ball away. Um, and Georgia has the ball at the Kentucky 31 they score in short order, and that's basically it's over at that point. They tacked on another touchdown, but fourteen nothing at that point in a game like that in a downpour with no passing game, you're you're toast. Yeah, um, and I mean, I, I think I think it's entirely equitable, like you said. Like it's, I, I the the transition from this is just sort of how does this fit into the narrative of the season? And I was talking with a friend of mine earlier tonight about this, and it's like. You know, any rational, reasonable person could look at the, you know, the the personnel struggles that Kentucky's had this season, which have just been historically unfortunate, like just really, really bad luck the way that this thing has kind of all played out. And I think any reasonable person could look at that and look at the way the defense has played and look at the way Kentucky has played and just say, you know what, this season has kind of become a little bit of a wash, a little bit yeah. of a push. Where Just get to a bowl game if you can, and I think everybody can say they're still on track. Yeah, yeah. Because if uh, to me, I mean, based on the information we have right now and how much better the defense has played than we thought it would this season with all that it lost, if they just have Terry Wilson healthy, you know, I think at worst they're 5-2 and two right now. You would think so. You know, Um of course, they're, th- they're three and four instead. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, they held Georgia, the number 10 team in the country, to 270 total yards. That's and, a sneaky subplot of this season is just how well the defense is played. Yeah, they've got some guys really coming on. Yusef Corker's been really good in the secondary. That you know, some of the young guys and new young slash new guys in the secondary that got totally wiped out are are really improving. Um, but then Kentucky has 177 yards of offense, just miserable. You know, again, they got they almost went the entire game without a completion, which in modern football, especially for a non-option team, that's just unheard of. Considering the the conditions, though, yeah. I mean, like, it was, yeah, well, I, you know, Tom and, Brady would have had a hard time throwing and, the ball in that And that's, that's what you've got to take into account, too, because he, Georgia has Jake Fromm, who's a good quarterback, a very good quarterback. Very good, yeah. He threw for 35 yards in that game. <laughs> I mean, so it was a slop. There's your context. It was a slop fest. But, you know, Lynn Bowden ran for 99 uh, you know, almost didn't goes get over 100 hurt. again. Didn't get hurt. The question is really, you know, can you beat Missouri, period? You know, it's at home. Missouri had won five in a row, but they just lost to Vanderbilt. Lost to Vandy. Which is a horrible oh, loss. Just, yeah. Um, but, you know, can you beat Missouri? Do you think you can beat Missouri at home, period? Or And then can do you think you can beat them with Lynn Bowden? In you know, in better conditions, you assume better weather conditions, because you know, knowing that Sawyer Smith is still kind of banged up, they get their second bye week right after this, and mm-hmm. then they play four straight teams that they should beat if they are a good team at all. Not, I'm not like giving them anything. I'm not saying because there's no all scrappy though. Yeah, all, all scrappy, scrappy. But teams. I'm saying like there are if they are good, if they are if they turn out to be a good team, these are teams they can beat. Yeah. Tennessee at home, which did play Alabama tough, but is now two and five. Vanderbilt on the road, which is now two and five. UT Martin, which is a good one double A team, but it's a you know F, it's a one double A team. And then Louisville, which again played Clemson tough for one half and then lost forty five to ten. Uh, and has three losses. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, there's Clemson no two made a bunch there. of really dumb mistakes and gave Louisville every chance. I'm not trying to downplay Louisville's effort, but it should have been. They threw like two picks in the end zone in the first half when it was it close. Yeah. yeah, when it was close in the first half, they threw two picks in the end zone. Clemson did. It kind they of, just repeatedly gave Louisville chances to have a and chance, still, and still won by set by five touchdowns. So yeah, so um, it, there are it, no gimmies for Kentucky, but if but if you if you can, I mean, certainly if you can find a way to win without Sawyer Smith against Missouri, then you've got to feel great about going to a bowl game okay. uh, because then you can rest Sawyer Smith that, this week and then the following week for the bye week, and then you get Tennessee at home, Vandy, UT Martin, Louisville. I think the goal's got to be to get through the bye week without having to play Sawyer Smith uh, and then just make your run at it. So we'll see, but uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think. I thought it was would, would have been easy to get totally demoralized in Athens, and I don't think I don't they, feel demoralized. I, yeah, I'm saying it, it, going into it, I thought they yeah. could have gotten completely demoralized, and and they got out of it with some reason to be proud, and but still disappointed, and also, as far as we know, healthy. Yeah. Um. So. You know, I don't know that there's much more to say about that other than it sets the table for, okay, you got some things that are going better than you thought. You've got to find a way to score points. Your offense has got to find some way to move the ball. 
Um, but there's still hope for the for the basic goal of the season, which I think was get to a bowl game. Before we move on and talk about uh, some of the other stuff going on, I want to tell you guys about Buffalo Trace Distillery. By now, you probably heard me talk about it. Buffalo Trace, you know, bourbon, big deal in this part of the world, but it's specifically at Buffalo Trace in a place where bourbon's a big deal. Uh, Buffalo Trace sticks out. Uh, they're the world's most award-winning distillery. And uh, if you go to Buffalo Trace, you're going to see 200 years, which is a long time to master a craft. Uh, and you're going to smell and you're going to uh, touch the, you're going to smell the, the mash cooking. You're going to touch the oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Uh, and you're going to hear bourbon legends. Uh, you're going to hear about bourbon legends like Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating operating distillery uh experience a tour for every single taste whether you're you know a beginner or you're really really into it buffalo trace offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week year-round like the popular trace tour or see bourbon pompeii and walk through history on the eh taylor tour visit the world's most uh, decorated and award-winning distillery. It is a it is a real destination. And to learn more about the history of Buffalo Trace, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace on the Locked on Kentucky podcast, and you're going to get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. So on Friday, uh, I came up and uh, we... Kyle and I both went to the blue and white game. Kyle was in the media section. I actually had a ticket, so I sat down next to the court. I had a much better uh, vantage point than you. Yes, you did. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, you had a better, you had a better line of sight on the uh, on the floor. I probably had a better vantage point. I actually, because I my seats used to be right on the floor, uh, and then you know they sold those like any like any good business they <laughs> uh, they sold those. They realized they could sell those seats for a lot more. And Which do you the, prefer? And they put the media pie. Uh, it's easier to see what's happening in the game from up high. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it's it is. Better. You're kind of naked down it's, there on the baseline. Yeah, yeah but it's it's kind it's like probably better for the job, especially the job I'm in now, like because you could see and hear up close more. You know, you might hear interactions between players, or you you know, depending. You might hear, you know, the opposing coach because they're down. They were down on that end of the, yeah. the baseline that we were on. So you don't have, you don't get any of that from way up there. Um, well, I reported up to you some things I heard. Yeah, yeah. One particular <laughs> thing. Should we share that? Yeah, or? I think so. It's really funny. Uh, on one exchange, uh, Nate Sestina blocked uh, Keon Brooks. And it was just sort of a, you know, Keon Brooks is a great athlete. It was just sort of Nate reached out good timing blocked it away uh and said uh give me at which you know that's it's a pretty it's it's pretty common basketball uh vernacular like you say if you block somebody you say give me at blank you know and uh a, there's a beat it's kind of quiet because a foul was called doug shows who was officiating the the scrimmage is you know has the ball getting ready to hand it to the uh, to the guy getting, shooting the ball. Nate Sestina stops him, and being this close, I could hear this go down. He stops Doug Shouse and he goes, "Sir, sir, I, I apologize for the language. I swear to God, he did that. <laughs> said that to Doug Shouse. and I just started laughing. I was just like, this, "What a Boy Scout! Holy he, crap!" <laughs> yeah, that's that is very Boy Scoutish. That that. Uh, that is um, comes from his mom, 
you think because, so? Well, I know so because um, when he was at Bucknell, he said that like if he cursed and she could hear him, uh, she would like scream to him from the stands. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. She would man. call it, call him by his name. Uh, like well, full, Nate, you know, do like do the full name thing. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, one time I like kind of got into it with a, with somebody else on another team and, uh, <laughs> I know I'll never forget this. My dad came down from the stands to me on the bench and he goes, if I ever see you do that again, <laughs> the, the, that's such, I bet such he a, remembers that too. He's going to text me about it. That's such a great, that's such a great dad line. I was actually thinking about that this weekend because I was with my mom. She, uh, uh, she had my kids for a little bit to help out uh, with everything we have going on. And uh, then we were together here at the house and uh, we went to dinner and my kids were, they're, you know, two years old. So they're acting like toddlers do and uh, really testing the patients. And I said something, you know, in the stern parent voice and we were just laughing like so hard about you just, you just like, you replicate what your parents uh it's learned you, yeah you know like well i remember i was over at your house and you just said something over the intercom you said something really stern and like flipped into this character and oh, both to my kids, kids both your kids just started crying because <laughs> <laughs> they know it's, that beating's coming yeah uh, oh for yeah well it was just really hilarious but anyway I, it was funny to witness that and i think that uh Nate, Nate was one of the stories coming coming away. I mean, it's like the efficiency offensively that he's going to bring, yeah. and he he popped a lot on those pick and rolls or just flat out faked the screen and pick and rolls. Um, you know, because if you fake it, you don't make any contact with the screener. If you right. if you pop, you make the contact. You don't dive. You pop out, and that shot's going to be there because Maxi is such is going to be such a good downhill driver. Ashton's getting there, but uh, Kentucky has enough downhill pressure that Nate, if Nate can shoot 40-ish percent or, or more maybe yeah, right. uh, from three, uh, those are going to be there. I mean, I, you know, he does he does give some things up, but uh, he he was consistent. And uh, one, one of the main takeaways from from that scrimmage, I thought. Yeah, and he, he talked, I mean, he's, he's very aware of his limitations. And he said after the game, like, I know I'm not the best athlete. I know I'm not the best defender. But I'll always talk, and I think I'll help that way, you know, and make you know make up. You certainly can make up for some shortcomings by, you know, trying to be in the right places, helping get young guys in the right places, letting people know when you're getting beat, you know, all those kind of things. Right. Right. Um, well, he's not out guarding the ball. He's typically kind of that right. like second. And Nick or EJ are probably going to be down there as the last line of defense. But it's funny that you're you're right. Like Nate Nate talked. The entire time, you could hear him over. I mean, the crowd wasn't roaring, but I, in the upper deck, I could hear him talking. I could hear what he was saying. Yeah, um, and that's very. I mean, that's huge. Cal's talked about. He's brought it up a dozen times already this summer. Um, but you know, twenty for him to have twenty-two points. He led. Uh, well, he's second in scoring. Um, twenty-two points, eight of twelve from the field, four of eight from three, uh, and you know, not not a ton of rebounding. But at one point late, he had a really tough rebound over a couple guys in traffic and put it back with a little baby hook. Um, you know, that's all. I mean, not a whole lot negative from Nate Sestina. That was a very encouraging scrimmage for him. So he was one of my, I wrote a thing for the athletic, sort of my five observations. Um, he was one, but my number one observation is that. Well, you want to tease it for the next segment? 
But we yeah. should tease it. This okay. is what good radio it's, people It's do. about Emmanuel quickly. We'll just uh, we'll leave it oh, that vague. Jesus, Kyle. All right. <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you want me to quit? How do you want me to just say you you just say you, this is my biggest my biggest this, observation. This player is really going to get you excited. Let's oh my god. Talk about it after All this. All right. Dipshit. <laughs> oh my god. So, all right. So, Kyle tried to. T- now Kyle that you guys are to- on the edge of the cliff, <laughs> <laughs> there's someone teetering over the edge of, of a you, cliff. Can you can you guys guess what I'm going to say next? No, I, I I mean Emmanuel quickly was just. There's all this talk in the summer from Cal Perry and from other people that I talked to around the program that he really was different. Uh, and Cal kind of gave the "I told you so" in the post game. He said, "You guys are all seeing what I've been saying. Like he's not the same dude." Um, and you don't want to, uh, you know, we should have said this probably before we said anything, but you, you don't want to overreact to a scrimmage. But I would say, depending on how serious guys took this, and hopefully they did take it relatively seriously, because Calipari made it clear to them that he was using it to evaluate them. I mean, this is better competition for most guys in their matchup than the two exhibition games we're going to We see. can talk a little bit that, about that in a minute, but you know what I'm going to say. Yes, Go ahead. I know yeah. who you're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but Emmanuel took it very seriously, and he played hard throughout, and he played so much more just sure of himself. Um, he was very assertive on the drive. He had, he had, I think, four total up and under kind of layup attempts. He made two. He got fouled on one. I think he missed one, um, but was really good. Um, driving, he drove to drove to pass several times. He had a, a sweet wraparound pass that was for an easy bucket. I mean, again, 25 points, uh, made a couple threes. Um, I think he had six rebounds and seven assists and one turnover mm-hmm. or vice versa, seven rebounds and six assists. Um, I mean, he just played really, really in command. And like, I he, liked his intensity. I was, I was, I was very pleased with that. I, I liked how serious he was and, and just business. And you know, yeah, like you said, a lot of what Cal had said was was there. He did he did attack that left side, up and under kind of scoop layup a couple different times to avoid the shot blocker. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was really I was really pleased with that. Um, I mean, based on what we saw from the guards, um, you know, we know about Hagens. I thought Maxi he didn't just like dominate the game, but he like very much looked like the best player on the floor. You know, yeah. he's the most skilled guy. He's the Things most come easier guy. to him than probably yeah. anybody else on the floor. He was kind of gl- apparent. He was kind of just gliding, you know, and playing in yeah. his own, kind of playing in his own world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, based on what we know about Hagens and know about Maxie and what we're seeing from Quickly and and the lack of depth in the front court, I'd love to see him play three or four guards. What about you? I mean, do you? <laughs> I mean, I think I know. I think we're on the same page about this. No, I, I mean, I, I would I, love to I see like, some four guard lineups. You know, I, I like getting you know as many skilled guys as you can get out there. The problem is just going to be the: are they going to be offensively good enough so that that sort of net result is high enough that you don't just get murdered? I, I, I think that defensively, this team could be as could be dis- disruptive enough. Where, where they could trot out a lineup like that, but I would think it would sort of be in a novelty context sort of a thing where you, cu- you couldn't do it for long stretches. Like, you know, uh, I came into this game kind of trying to see, 
I had a few different checkpoints I was wanting to see. I was wanting to see ball skills, sort of spatial intelligence between Keon Brooks and and Khalil Whitney. Um, I thought Keon stood out significantly over Whitney. Uh, I think he's not quite the same type of fluid athlete as Whitney, but um, Brooks just up close, watching his just sort of social intelligence is kind of big to me, body language like we've talked about. Um, he just see, and 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 things that you've told me too. I, I was just watching how effortless of an athlete he is, uh, and sneaky skilled. Like yes. I, th- I feel like he's a little more skilled than we realize. Um, at well, the this dude point, had like a like as quiet as quiet of a twenty and eleven game as you can have. Yeah, I was just kind of <laughs> watching the bigs do their their like drop step contact drills, and uh, Keon is a little smaller, and he was getting. With the same hit, you know, and and he's a little more, a little skinnier. With the same hit that the other guys were taking, he was taking one step and getting higher than those guys. I I just think that he's uh, he's just a really really intriguing piece, and I, it, the luxury of having him and Whitney is is really interesting because I don't feel like Kentucky's going to lean on those guys, but those right. those two guys defensively especially could be enormously disruptive. And, it, th- and it, could yeah, be a ride, it could be a ride the hot hand thing with, e- with either of those guys because I think there's some matchups where one or the other could really dominate you know, a matchup. Yeah, uh, and, no and, big and, is going to diff- guard either one of those guys off the bounce. No, like, and, yeah. and, and a different, they would, I think they can exploit matchups in totally different ways too, so... Yeah. Um, the uh, the other thing I was going to say, and you alluded to it, is uh, especially again up close, just kind of listening and, and watching and things like that. I, I didn't necessarily love Ashton's um, in, in focus and intensity. You talk about like just flip sides of the coin. Uh, Ashton's a fun kid, and he's he likes to goof around and sort of uh, keep things light in certain situations, but. Um, I don't know. I, I think I kinda, it's an ongoing battle. I, I, like it, it is a it is a real concern that has gone since. I mean, I told you I, we talked about it. and I wrote about I wrote a story about the regret that he had after the Auburn game, not going into it focused enough. Um, but he's and you know his dad. He and his dad used this term, the fun button. You know, they mm-hmm. they openly talk about it. Like you got to turn the fun button off. He has a hard time with that. Now, again, don't read too much into that because it's a scrimmage. And should he care that much about True. a scrimmage? You know, you'd like him to, but I get it. Like, he was trying to show off for the fans. It's not all negative for him, by the way. It's six assists, one turnover, three steals. And yeah. more importantly, everybody has talked all this summer that he's better at shooting the ball. He came out and made three of his first four three-pointers. And I would, uh, no hesitation, pulled up in transition yeah. and hit one. You know, I think that's at least a, a, a semi-positive sign. I would sprinkle some water on on that result a little bit because some of those were not good shots that he, he probably shouldn't take. Uh, they went in, you know, they were kind of no, 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 yes kind of situations. If he's if he's open, he should shoot it. I, I don't. If Ashton if Ashton Hagens is taking transition threes, we got a problem. Um, I don't. I don't. But think is there ever shoot. an environment where if you're trying to show you can shoot the ball in a game sure. setting, you know, you let it? Fly? I 100 percent grant you. I'm being a Scrooge right now, but right. Uh, his his sort of cross court reads, I, I wasn't happy i had some moments i just i, I want more from ashton because i like him and I, I pull for him uh but i just i want to see more at him i want to see um uh, nick should have dominated because kentucky doesn't have enough 
they don't have size across the roster to sort of right. there, there's nobody for him to battle really because right. EJ's more of a four really EJ you know which Nick, is why they just added we we haven't mentioned it they just added a six nine two hundred and fifty pound pitcher from the baseball team as a walk on because of that very reason they need somebody that's a big body to go up against Nick and practice every day. This is why Cal was pushing for this. I mean, it, it also because that person might play. But um, EJ, you know, I'm, I'm a little – I don't know when the touch is going to come around on the jumper. I'm kind of tired of preaching about it. He did have some pretty nice, like, weak side skip plays where he got us to the other side of the floor and they got the ball moving. I think that's something that EJ can really do. I was I was impressed with that. Um, timing and hands look good. Um but like you said, Maxi looked really good. Juzang had had a couple moments. Um, overall, overall, I came away. It's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of time for this team to form an identity. I think mm-hmm. uh, they could. I mean, some, they could get blown out in the first game, just like last year. I mean, I don't think it'll be like the the just bludgeoning because yeah. because Michigan State doesn't have the athletes, the crazy freakish people that Duke had. But they could lose handily. They could lose handily in the opener, and and yeah. and nobody well, should do, like panic if that happens because this. I think their their pieces are there, but Cal doesn't still really has no idea how he's going to use them. Yeah, um, and he really doesn't know if his big guys are going to step up. Michigan State just went down <laughs> down in that scrimmage though, didn't it? You sent to Gonzaga. Yeah, it's a really good you know consistently good program, but Gonzaga got wiped out. I mean, they lost like. Most of the team from last Gonzaga year. Gonzaga had one of their more talented rosters that they've had yeah, in a while. And lo- and yeah. lost a bunch of them and had a, you know, Tilly who's coming off an injury. Um, Killian Tilly. Yeah. Yes. And a uh, great name. And, Incredible name. <laughs> yeah. They, they lost lost the uh, close scrimmage, which, by the way, I, Kentucky's not having one of these super secret scrimmages. So if you're wondering, like, if somebody will report the outcome, which has been happening. Uh, Kentucky doesn't do that. Uh, they have maybe a couple times, but uh, they don't have one this year. Yeah. I uh, I was going to recommend to Kentucky fans. I was listening to something today on a bat, on a, on a podcast called uh, basketball immersion that this guy, Chris Oliver does. Um, and he interviews different coaches and things and talks about, and he brought on Vance Wahlberg, the guy who, Cal turned to to institute the dribble drive at Memphis, and Vance Wahlberg tells a couple stories about Cal. Um, not enough people talk about this podcast. It's really excellent. I learn a lot every t- every time I listen to it. Uh, but he he talks about Cal at, at different points throughout, and uh, it's it's pretty funny. He reveals some things about Cal's personality uh, that that amuse me quite a bit. But uh, we'll talk. We'll check check in a little more. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of some of the thoughts from the blue white game are still sort of crystallizing for me. I'm sure they are for you too. But uh, we will. Uh, do you have anything coming up here or posting here in the? Well, you put up your blue white thoughts. People should go read that. Yep, uh, and I will. Uh, this week, I believe, is when we will start dropping the letters from home. Uh, I've done three of those interviews, and I'm in the process of crafting those letters and some cool stuff. I always, I really enjoy doing those because I, it's a chance to hear parents talk about these guys that we we know or are gonna, getting to know that are stars uh, when they were little kids and uh, as they were growing up and as they were forming as human beings. Uh, and those those are kind of cool. Very cool. Very good writing. Very good stuff from Kyle. Go check that out. Subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to The Ringer YouTube. 
My De'Aaron Fox breakdown is going to be coming up on the Ringers NBA preview, so make sure that you watch that for me. Do that for your boy. And uh, follow me at Jaycomma and follow him at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. Leave us a review. Say hey. And uh, we will see you next time. Are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.